Hello, and welcome to the Montessori School of Denver Community Podcast Series. Each episode, you'll hear the latest parenting information and advice from Montessori School of Denver educators and community members. We hope these new tools will give you fresh insight into how you can bring the Montessori philosophy into your life and home. Enjoy the episode! Kindergarten 101. <clears throat> we'll start with our mission here. Our dynamic educational environment, empowering students to use diverse knowledge and experiences to reach their full potential and do good in the world. All right, planes of development. So you all are hanging out right about here. You're getting ready to move up here. And you are probably noticing that your P1 or P2 child is a little independent, maybe testing some boundaries, maybe pushing the envelope, some behaviors that you might love or, or not so much love. Um, and that's normal, that's what they should be doing. So good for you, everything's going great. Um, one of the things about Montessori education is we are cyclical in our, in, in our learning. Traditional education is linear, meaning everyone's gonna learn the same thing at the same time, no matter what, doesn't matter that you haven't had any of this further or previous experience, we're all going to learn that. Montessori classrooms, you just keep building on it and you keep building on it. And it doesn't matter that your friend is back here, you're up here, so you might be circling like this. Um, and that is intentional and fantastic. Um, so again, like I mentioned, you guys are probably noticing a lot of independence, some boundary pushing, some interesting clothing options for the day. That's all great. They're finding, they're defining themselves and their personalities um, and kind of really figuring out who they want to be. Uh, Dr. Montessori said that the first and the third planes of development are a time of turbulence. So yeah, it's hard right now. They're not sleeping, they're asking questions, they want to know everything, they want to know why, they're digging through your purse, pulling everything out, or your wallet. Sorry, Kristen didn't want to... <laughs> You're probably not carrying a purse, you have a wallet. <laughs> um, and asking all sorts of things, and then these other two here are really a time of relative calm. So once they start first grade, things shift a little bit for them and their thought process and, and who they are as people. Um, you all are here, I'm sitting real nice right here right now. It's turbulent. It's, it's not the best time. Um, my kids are different, but anyhow. All right. <clears throat> Characteristics of a kindergartner. They're independent. They're imaginative. They're creative. They can take anything and turn it. Those of you who have boys, they can turn it into a weapon faster than you can figure out how they knew it was that's supposed to be a weapon. Um, they're uh, competitive, they're social, and they're socially competitive. Those two together, they want, you know, no, I want to be your friend, oh, I want to be your friend. No, can't we all be friends? No, that's my friend. Um, and they work on figuring those things out. They learn well from exploring and experiencing, so what a great classroom to do this in. They're physically active, they need to move all the time. They're ambitious and they are joyful. They're so fun. They are and so I fun. Love your kindergartens. <laughs> they are the best. Um, so reaching their full potential. Um, our classrooms are really set up to help with this reach these milestones that they're in. Um, the experience and the exposure that these kids have in P1 and P2 really lead them to these defining moments um, in their curriculum. Um, there's really no ceiling to our academics. 
So it doesn't matter that you start reading as a four-year-old or you're starting to get the sounds and you're starting to put things together. We're just gonna keep y'all moving. As a kindergartner, if you've read through all of our stuff or you've gone through all of the materials, we're gonna go talk to Laurel teachers and say, hey, how do I do a research project with this? Or what can I do for this? Or do you have some writing I can do? Or what do you recommend for somebody who's done all of our math and we need test tube division now? Um, we're gonna talk to them and figure out where to go. But we just keep that, like I mentioned earlier, it's cyclical. We're just gonna keep moving through their academics with, along with them. Some teachers have done really cool stuff, like some book clubs with advanced <clears throat> readers or like a book club with themselves and reading with the child or yeah, really interesting, like let's find all the onomatopoeias in here and just thinking out of the box for some of our, yeah. for their long learners. Onomatopoeia, you pulled that one out of nowhere. <laughs> Emily did that, that was not me. <laughs> Kindergarten prep. Um, and this is the beauty really of this three year cycle that they're in. Um, each year builds on the next, with kindergarten being that culmination of all the great work that they've done. Um, they have a greater awareness of community and the community dynamics from their previous years together as a group. Uh, they're learning positive work habits, stamina building, concentration building, skill building, fine and gross motor development. Um, as I mentioned, those kids need to move. So how do you get them to move and then come back and work and then do some writing and then go move and then come back over here? Uh, so they've been working through that. Social navigation, <laughs> fun stuff. Um, concrete to abstract experiences leading into their abstract thinking and to their work and what it is they're doing, being able to visualize something, maybe while holding it in their hand or just know, oh yeah, 23, two 10 bars and a three, I got it. Building stamina in their work cycles. Um, they've done a lot of great work. This is something that they are looking forward to. They look up to those kindergartners in the classroom. They want to be them um, a lot of times. They'll say that they're their best friends, but really they're just running alongside of them literally and figuratively out on the playground because they think that they're part of their group. And that's great, that's what we want. We want them to see that and to learn from that uh, and to be a part of that community. Any questions on what you're seeing right now from your kids that might lead into this or anything that's lingering? Not yet. So kindergarten day, what this looks like. Um, Similar to what you're seeing now. They'll come in and they'll start their day. They'll do their work cycle and some of the switches depending on when they have their playground time. Some classes go out in the morning. Some will go out in the, right before Carline. It just ebbs and flows so that we don't have 150 children on the playground at one time. Um, so they'll start with their work time. They'll come in, typically your kindergartner will just jump into the work that they were doing yesterday um, or something they've had a lesson on. Um, because it's comfortable, they know what to do, they don't have to ask for help, and they can just jump into their independence in that way. Or they'll start by greeting the other kids in the classroom and helping them get settled into their day, um, taking some of those leadership roles uh, in, in, in their morning time. They'll work, 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 and then they'll have lunch, and they'll go on the playground, and they'll play, and then at 12.30 um, is when specials classes start. Um, so not only do they have uh, primary or uh, Spanish starting in toddler and then in Molly will come into the classroom as primary students she'll still come in and these kindergartners will still be able to attend her her little mini Spanish lessons but they will come to the Spanish room uh, for one of their specials they'll go to art they have music and theater which is right here PE next door library farm is that all <laughs> there's six thank you guys 
Okay, is that six? Sorry. I never remember where I'm at. Um, so they'll get one of those every day. It just rotates, um, and, and every classroom uh, has something different for them. And then they'll come back and they'll have another work cycle. It's a little shorter. It's about an hour, hour and a half maybe. Um, and this is some really direct teaching from the kindergarten teacher. So as you all know, you'll stay in your classroom with your teacher for the, all three years. And so these children are really getting some direct learning. They'll work on literacy skills. They'll work on some group lessons. They still have the opportunity to go off and work on their own and do something that is of interest to just them and have solo time or work time on their own. But there is a lot of collaboration that happens in the afternoon, not only with the teacher and the students, but um, just big togetherness on big projects. Um, I won't give away all the community stuff, but uh, they just spend a lot, of, lot more time being very intentional with their work. Um, by design. It's a really nice balance of the day that in the morning they're in this mixed age group and they get to be the big kid and the leader and then in the afternoon it's a little bit quieter, a smaller group, a little bit more age focused. Yeah. And it's kind of best of both worlds. It is. Yeah. Rachel, are yeah. all specials just with their class or any other classes combined for yeah. like PE or something where you need more? So, yes and no. <laughs> it kind of depends on the size of your kindergarten class. You know, there have been some years post-COVID now that one classroom had three. You can't really do anything with three. So we mixed classrooms together intentionally for that. But at the same time, you don't want 17 kids in Spanish because it just, it's too hard. So yes, depending on the size of your group, and, and then no, it'll be just class exclusive. We do, and we'll talk about it in a minute here too. There are some intentional um, things we do to get all of the kindergartners together to build some of those relationships because as they move on they're not going to be just with that same group of kids moving on to first grade or moving into other places so so making some other connections yeah, good question all right hallmarks of, of our Montessori education here um, again freedom within tighter limits um, like I mentioned Setting some boundaries, some expectations about behavior, about work, about what it looks like in the afternoon. You are a leader and you got a bunch of other eyes watching you. And if you're gonna run through the classroom, they're gonna run through the classroom. Um, so really just being mindful of that. And I think for parents too, knowing that boundaries and expectations and all of those things, it's not punishment to the child. They actually need them. They really need to know where, where that line is that they can't cross and what your expectation is from them. And by starting them out and giving them those opportunities to know where that firm line is, you're really setting them up for success so that they know, I, can't, I know I'm not supposed to do that because this is gonna happen on the other side of that. Um, and that's stuff that the classroom teacher has been building for the previous years. Like this is how we handle the work. This is what a work cycle looks like. This is what it looks like to put your work away. This is what it looks like to be a role model and setting those behavior expectations um, ahead of time. Like I mentioned, no ceiling to our academics. You just keep moving at their own pace. A lot of critical and creative thinking. A lot of problem solving hap happens, not only with uh, friends and uh, friendships and playing, but also some of the materials are designed to maybe you don't get it right the first time. So how do you go back and fix that without feeling frustrated? Um, or how do you get the help that you need without being frustrated? <clears throat> so really thinking about things. Social and emo emotional development. We do a lot of work on this, starting from the very, very littles to the very, very big ones over here. Um, really helping them tap into those emotional needs that they have and how to navigate things that don't go their way and how to you know, advocate for themselves and really move, move towards problem solving in that sense um, and on their own. 
learning to take those skills out. A lot of times it's teacher driven and we help them and guide them with like, what do you want to say to your friend about this? By kindergarten, they're really working a lot of this out on their own and then coming to us if they really can't um, get the help that they need or feel satisfied. Leadership and peer mentoring, um, and then just the academic culmination of everything they've been working on for the past few years in the classroom. I, I'm sorry, I just love to interrupt. Yeah, I do love it. But <laughs> I also want to say the leadership and peer mentoring, you really don't get the full effect of it if you don't stay for that third year because that's when they they really get put in that leadership position when they've experienced that range but if they leave before their kindergarten year they're going to be in there with these leaders and, the, and watching that but never getting that opportunity kind of the msd's monastery plus the added things that we get to do around here so it's pretty much a low teacher to student ratio. Yes, they're still in their same classroom. A lot of the class will go home because they are still having a half day class and a full day class. Um, but they're, you know, the kindergarten sizes are really about eight to nine students, not much more than that. So there's some really great one-on-one -on -one time that can happen with teachers and just small numbers. Uh, we do a lot of do good projects. Kaboom is a day of science or an afternoon of science where the kindergartners go off. Past couple years, they've gone to, the play, or, uh, to a park and they've made kites and they've figured out the whole aerodynamics of kites and how to fly them and then they run and fly them. We've done things like, oh, making that glorch stuff. Just, you know, they, they come up with science ideas and science projects and then they kind of show it off to each other, which um, is really kind of a fun experience. Kinderness, um, this is some of that cross-program connections that we do. Um, sometimes it's field trips. Sometimes they come in here and work with middle school kids. Sometimes they go over to a lower elementary and do crafts and projects and get to know them over there. Um, what else have we done? We do a toddler uh, kindergarten breakfast where toddler, toddlers are invited over by the kindergartners and the kindergartners make them a, a little snack and a little meal and they kind of lead them around. Um, getting to ride on the bus is a huge deal. So we try to get them out as much as we can. I'm so glad COVID is We laughed the field trip could just be a loop in the bus it, it, and come back and they'd be stuck. And they'd be like, this is the best day of my life. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and so just having other experiences to get out of the classroom and get out of their one little group of, of friends and come meet other people and get to know each other, get to know our community around here. Um, again, special classes, cultural experiences, and in uh, school-wide community involvement. Uh, we do beehives, which start at kindergarten, um, and it's admin, faculty, staff from kindergarten through eighth grade, and they get in little groups in your hives. Um, I'm hive two, um, and it's so your group is mixed with everybody from all over the school. So they see their friends on campus, and you know those older kids are like, hi, Rachel, nice to see you. And the joy that that brings to them um, is really amazing. And they just do fun little things together and get to know you, um, community building. And the group stays the same, yep. like eighth graders graduate out and then a new group of kindergartners come in, but that group is the same their whole, their whole MSC time. experience. So you'll see kindergartners like high-fiving their middle school beehive buddies and it's, it's sweet. pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. We also do field day. Um, so kindergartners are involved in field day here at the end of the year. Um, so what it looks like, a well-prepared environment, and that's not just sharpened pencils and cut paper, it's things are ready for them each day. They're welcomed into the classroom and, and greeted and ready to go and, and learn at their full potential um, in their classroom. Um, those chairs are not meant for us big people, 
Um, you know, it's their, it's their space, it's their environment. And a teacher who's ready to, you know, kind of welcome them with open arms each day and to work with them wherever they are, uh, both academically and social emotionally that day. Um, they have classroom jobs. They take care of the environment. Uh, they make sure it's ready for everyone to come in the next day and be successful. Collaborating students. Oh, there's just a lot of group work. Socializing is huge, but it's used for good and not evil. You know, they're, they're really working towards doing projects together and getting things done together. Um, different from your P2 child who really just wants to sit and talk. And, oh yeah, I'm working. They're kind of punching something up, but they're like, whatever. Um, totally a different uh, look to that. Kids are creative. They have individualized instruction every day, uh, morning or afternoon, or sometimes both. Dynamic learning is everywhere. There's just a lot of movement going on, uh, taking ownership of what they're doing. Engaged, happy workers um, and teachers observing and building trusting relationships. Um, this is something that just goes on and on and on as you, as you go through MSD here. Uh, the three-year cycle is really just a, a dream. You get to know your teachers, the teachers get to know you and your children. They really know when something's off. They're like, hey, are you noticing something at home? And you're like, oh, they haven't been sleeping. And you're like, great, let's work on this together. And, or, you know, I see that they're having some struggling with some reading or some literacy stuff. But, you know, do you see this? Is anything, do you have any family history? And just really working as a great partnership to help them get where they need to be. Kindergarten is also the time when our literacy support kind of hops in. Um, so Chelsea will do Dibble's assessments with them, which is just a, re a literacy um, and reading assessment. You know better about it than I do. Um, but if your child is not at a certain benchmark, she just works with them. And actually, everyone loves Chelsea. They wonder when it's their turn to go work with Chelsea. And you're like, you, you don't need to work with Chelsea. And they're like, but I want to. And it's great. She'll just take them anyway and work with them, because why not? Um, so it's great. <clears throat> and uh, this team is phenomenal in literacy instruction yeah. and identifying literacy needs. They are hungry for learning more and this is a big thing in education that most of you probably don't care much about but there's a lot of debate on reading and this team is so devoted to evidence-based practice and it's a phenomenal literacy it's program. It's a great, yeah, they do great work. Does Chelsea follow out at all times of the day or just in the like work kindergarten afternoon? It, it can be either. She avoids specials and lunch and recess times for everybody, um, but she kind of builds around student need and what's going on. I think most of them are right now in the afternoon, but she also works with lower L, so... It, it kind of depends what's good for the classroom, too, and good for the child. If, they're, if it's too much in the afternoon, they're tired, it's been a long day, she's not going to pull them in the afternoon, it's not going to be a successful. Yeah. All right, let's see what we got going on here in the classrooms. All right. So here is, um, we used to take parents into the classrooms, but since you guys are getting in there now a lot more often, um, to be a little less disruptive, we have some video to show you. So this is one of the things that kindergartners love to do. They love to show off their learning. They love to be the teacher. I love my job, I love teaching, but when my kids would say to me at home, mom, let's play school, I was like, are you kidding me? No, we're not doing this. So here they get to play school. So here they are. Um, uh, there's one student here who is leading the group um, in the card deck. Oops. 
change the channel. I think I changed the channel. I can hear them. But either way, so she's sitting there, she's having them go through the card deck, she's so proud, she's showing off that she already knows how to do this, and the, the, you know, the teacher's just like, great, thank you. Um, but some great peer, peer mentoring and some peer learning happening there. This child here, she's working with the Wasika towel, towers or drawers, you might hear them called. Uh, depending on what it is. Or your um, kids might call them like rainbow drawers or yeah. red drawer three. Yeah, and you're like, what? <laughs> that sounds awesome, fantastic. Um, she is able to do this work whenever she wants to, as often as she wants. It builds her confidence, her self-esteem, because she can do it on her own. She doesn't require a teacher's support um, at this point. Um, and just really some intrinsic motivation on how she feels about doing it on her own and where that kind of leads her in her academic um, journey. I will not touch anything this time. Oh, well I guess that was a short and sweet one. So she's just practicing reading and matching to um, pictures and cards. Um, then she'll use the movable alphabet to spell them out. Then she might write them. Then she's gonna go read them to a teacher. So she is just solidifying all of these skills um, in one big handful. Daughter. That's my child. Um, <laughs> this is just a little bit more of that cyclical learning that we that I was talking about. So what she's doing is every time she does one of these drawers, she's in a green drawer, she's learning a new um, kind of language rule, if you will. This is a short, short rule. Um, so it's a short word with a short vowel, ends in CK, if it has a sound at the end. And now you'll start thinking about all the words that you know that are short, short, they go like that. Um, and then she's building it out because she's working with ING and she's working with some other, you know, uh, different vowel sounds. But she tells us how she knows all this good information. Elena, how did you know to use a CK? Yeah, um, and just again, really building on some of this previous knowledge of her, you know, remembering that rule. And so as teachers, we can say when they, you know, how do you spell luck? And you're like, well, it's a short, short word. And they're like, oh, I totally know that. And they'll go off and they'll do it. And so just tapping into what Tori was saying about this literacy and evidence-based um, guided teaching, it's pretty remarkable. Because those are some pretty big words for her to be spelling. Yeah, she was in kindergarten here. Yeah. Um, all right, these are just some examples in math um, of some great concrete learning. Um, this one here, just really concretely knowing 20. He's taking two 10 bars, that equals 20. He's got one 10 bar, that's 10. He's going to move them down and he's going to probably end up counting out three 10 bars, which is 30. This is the concrete beginning to this. 
so that as they're moving on, like I said earlier, when he's like, oh, what does 23 look like? Oh yeah, two 10 bars and a three bar. He can visualize it, he can almost feel it in his hand. They just, you just know what that is. Leading into this more abstract kind of math work, he's multiplying here, which is an extension of addition. So he's taking, you know, he's got four times five here, and he's realizing that that's 20. And so he's not, he's seeing it, kind of seeing it, and, and conceptualizing it before he's putting it down, and then he learns the pattern. And you can, he can see what, see what the pattern becomes as he's moving through some of these works. And also hear the music and drama class that they'll get to go to. Um, this one is really, really quiet, but um, I, I will put it on for you here in a second. But she's really doing a lot of self-talk, and this is a true, just a great example of her moving from that contract, that concrete to her abstract thinking. You know, she's like, okay, and then I take an eight, and then I take a four, and then I'm gonna go over here, and that's 22. And she's moving herself back and forth. There's a lot of background noise, just because the kids were very busy this morning. So if you can hear her, and we have music and theater happening, so good luck. to hear but she was like and now I take these two and that's four and that's four thousand and I'm gonna go get the four thousand and so she's adding these huge numbers um, and exchanging as she needs to um, but really just a great example of that so this is the triangle box in primary we use this as a sensorial lesson in the first few years they'll just be talking about triangles this is an equal you know put these four together you can make this beautiful thing um, as they move into kindergarten into lower L, lower L this is a math work, it's actually geometry, and they start talking about things like obtuse isosceles and right angle scalene and equilaterals and when you put it all together what does that look? And so really just pushing that language for them, giving them a conception of what comes next, um, and then using this throughout the classroom, kids will go around and measure things or they'll find other equilaterals in the classroom to learn the word obtuse isosceles. It's kind of a cool word. Um, and so really just ex expanding on that, leading into, like I said, that next plane of thinking, which would be geometry. Uh, all right, so this is some kindergarten collaboration here. Like I mentioned, socializing is better. They love it. If they can do anything, it's the carrot you dangle over them. You want to do this with your friend? I'm going to need you to do this first. Um, but then when they do get the opportunities to work together, there's so much peer mentoring and so much um, great collaboration that comes out of this. They're all building numbers here to work together to solve a bigger problem. They're cheering each other on. They're, um, you know, accolades. Oh, great job. It's so great to hear them. They're like, you did it. That was great. You got it all on your own. They're very funny when they do those things. Um, and then peer mentoring here, again, you know, there are some some failures that can happen during some of these works. I mean, that trinomial cube, which again is a uh, sensorial work in primary, uh, but in lower L and upper L, it is a, uh, an algebraic equation. 
I can't think of it off the top of my head. A cubed. A squared. squared something. B something, B something crazy. And they plus use it C squared. <laughs> cubed. Yeah. You know. You, you, you know the you, one. You know it. Um, but they, you know, they work together to solve this problem together. And you know, if you put this in the in the box the wrong way. Um, in not the right order, it won't close. So they got to start all over and they have to work together and they have to communicate and they have to problem solve this out together. Same with this, if they don't get the, the right answer, they go back together and they noodle it together and they try to figure it all out. Um, but just a lot of great teamwork and collaboration, um, friendship building, uh, peer learning, positive peer pressure. I want to do that because that's what they're doing. Um, a lot of good stuff. So really, our kids are pretty great. I love them all. Um, they're joyous, they're confident, they have firm foundations in academics. I really very rarely worry about, well, I worry when someone leaves because I want them to stay, but they have had so much exposure to what's the academic world around them that when they go off to our Laurel program, it just, it just keeps growing. They keep learning more, they keep taking in more. They have a great appreciation for our community. They do so many things within their own classroom community, but also in the bigger MSD community, and they get an opportunity to see other kids and go visit other kids and know the bigger kids um, and high-five them as they're walking in on campus. It's great. Uh, so critical and creative thinkers. They're socially responsible. They have a strong sense of self, and they're really prepared for their next journey here in Laurel. And last but not least, uh, this is a, a parent uh, just a few weeks ago uh, sent me this email, and it says, I don't know if you can read it from that far, I'll admit it, at the start of primary, I was not sure if we would stay through kindergarten. But now that our kindergartner is entering her second semester, I now, I know now that taking away this experience would have stolen such an important step from our daughter. I now understand how the first two years of primary are building up to the Montessori kindergarten classroom. Now that she has stepped into these long, coveted shoes of a kindergartner, she is happy, confident, comfortable, and really thriving. The product of the MSD kindergarten is not something that can be produced in one year. Now seeing the capable, conf confident, and kind child that our daughter has become, we are so grateful that we stayed the course. Isn't that really nice? Um, so that's all I have. What questions might you guys have about kindergarten? Yes, ask away. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the class size because I know um, if, if there is a limit to how many kindergartners can be in a class or if there is three in one class and 12 in another, mm -hmm. I know it's so important to stay with the teacher, but mm -hmm. do you right size that? Or? Yeah. Uh, we, class it. it doesn't, I can't think of a year it's gone over 10 kindergartners. Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, it doesn't typically go over 10 because there is a different ratio for kindergarten age kids to teachers, so we try not to let it get too high in classrooms, which is part of that thoughtful process from P1 to P2 and keeping kids organized. If they are smaller, um, you know, we really don't switch them out or pull kids in. They might join together for certain lessons or time together, but really they have the experience of what's happening in their classroom too. Um, and still have leadership opportunities. They still have um, individualized lessons. They still have the opportunity to grow at their own pace. They still get to role model and learn from each other. So um, we really wouldn't pull them out. You might mix for certain things, like I said, but typically they stay where they are. Or if we had new kindergarten enrollments, they might go to the three class. They yeah. wouldn't go to the yeah. 12 class. Yeah, yeah. What else? Yeah. Is there an at-home component to kindergarten? Like 
always get them a good breakfast and a good night of sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get them outside yeah. when you can. Yeah. And you're paying us to teach them how to read. Yeah. So we're happy to do that. Of course, like, we'll collaborate with you. It's not like it's right. a secret by any means, but I uh, read to them. Yeah. Enjoy them. In, yeah. Um, but it's not homework for you. And, if, and I think, yeah, to Tori's Yeah, point, if you wanted to partner, of course we would. But. Yeah. They're, they're doing a lot of work for eight hours, and it might not be hardcore academics every minute of the day, but friendship navigation, that's, that takes a lot of work and patience and energy. Um, just, you know, all of those things they're learning on. So when they get home, they're tired, they're grumpy. They don't want to sit down and do a workbook. They don't, they don't need to sit down and do a workbook. Um, to Tori's point, read to them, follow their, their lead on things. We try to get outside as much as we can too with outdoor environments and working outside just to be in nature and to have that around. So really, um, you feel like you're kind of not doing anything, but you really are. You're really just, to Tori's point, good breakfast, cinnamon, well fed and well slept, and we'll take care of the rest here. Anything else? Yeah. I was wondering um, if uh, a teacher were to notice breakdowns in um, any sure. area, uh, what is the course of action like if there were some issues with literacy, mm -hmm. the child was just not getting out, mm -hmm. whatever? Yeah. What, is, what would be the course of action yeah. there? Do you want me to speak to that? Sure. That's my job. Um, so we meet, Rachel and I meet regularly with every classroom team at least once a month and we talk about those things. So what are you observing? What are you noticing? We're both also regularly in classrooms. So if we're observing something, we'll say something. Um, and we'll usually first kind of observe and have a little bit of a conversation and then we would loop you in right away. Um, don't like I don't want to be having conversations about your kid that you don't know about <laughs> so if we have concerns I'm going to talk to you about that um, I say we tend to be more proactive because we know that early intervention is really important um, so we'll we'll talk to you about it at the end of the day it's your call on how you want to address that but we would um, there depending on what the issue is there's some things that we can do here at school um, or I might connect you to outside resources so say there's a literacy concern. We have a lot we can do at school that we would work on. Um, say there's like occupational therapy. We don't have an occupational therapist on staff, so that might be something I would connect you to a community resource on. Um, if we see something like that might come down the road later, we'll still talk to you about that. Like, hey, sometimes I've noticed when I see this kind of behavior, we might end up with an ADHD diagnosis in a year or two. That might be something to keep in mind as you move into elementary school. Um, so I'll be open and we'll have those conversations. If you have concerns, please come to me. Um, it doesn't mean that your child can't be here. We, we just want to work together and you know, figure out what they need. Everybody needs something, so let's just figure it out. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, does or does it give you more questions? <laughs> I was just wondering if, there, if it's mostly like outside resources if the child needs help, or I guess you said literacy would be mostly taken care of. Literacy, yeah, and, and again, if, if we're not able to close those gaps, I'll tell, we'll talk to you about that. Um, that would probably come up more in elementary. Yeah. If, if we're concerned, we'll see it in preschool or kindergarten, but we wouldn't say we haven't closed the gap yet because we're just starting that intervention and trying some things. So we want to see how they respond to that before we would 
recommend more or different support. Um, but we, we, it would be a very collaborative process, would be my goal. And when uh, there's a, there are a lot of our, our friends here on campus who are getting some outside support, and the teachers work a lot with those OTs, PTs, speech therapists, because that communication, it's good for us to know so that you can know so that we're all doing the same thing and walking, you know, marching to the same beat. Um, so we do a lot of work with them together. We partner with STEM providers that come on campus. Again, that's sort of an individualized thing that we would talk about, but there are a couple um, speech pathologists and occupational therapists that come to campus. Um, often like speech goals might be more social. And so it makes more sense to do that in your classroom environment than in a clinic alone with an adult. So uh, we would work with you on that, but some of them do come to campus to provide services. I'm gonna call it the school you're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Great question though. Yeah. So I hear a lot of, there's a lot of aura about the kindergartners and then Yes. <laughs> right. And so is there anything, you know, over the summer or whatnot to help prepare to be the kindergarten yeah. and talk about that? I don't think so. I think to Tori's point earlier, it's just really kind of following them. We'll teach them to read and write and do math. We'll, we'll do all of that. If they're interested, by all means, go ahead and, and do it. If you're forcing it and it's a struggle, that's no fun for anybody. Um, Stamina is kind of the big thing that happens once your kids start kindergarten. They're going to be tired and good. They're going to hold it together for us for eight hours. And then we're going to open the car and put them in the car door and they're going to cry, scream, melt down. You'd be like, what in the world? Have you been like this all day? They're hungry. They're tired. They're growing. So really it's just building some of that stamina um, and independence on what they can do on their own. You can maybe use it as a carrot, not to sound cast, but like, oh wow, that's some, I really need a kindergarten reader right now to get their shoes on quickly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they rise Bri to that. Bribery works too. Yeah. 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 where that lore comes right. from but right right and when you know the younger ones come up and say I want to do that and they're looking at the you know the multiplication beat board and you're like oh, not yet the teachers will be like I'm so glad you're interested in that let's do this one first and then you, you know kind of build that excitement up to get to that lesson but everybody can do everything I, it's not kindergarten <laughs> for many years it's been called that long MS, right, Montessori-based assessment that we get pages and pages of. Sure. There's difficult. Are there any other areas that where there's like universal assessment at this point? Not in kindergarten. Um, we start ERB testing in third grade, uh, which is maybe more of what you're thinking of. Um, the only thing with like a measure that we're doing in kindergarten would be yeah. dibbles. If we're concerned about things, we might do some other like progress monitoring stuff, but that's the one that everybody 
gets universally three times a year in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the three-year cycle, culminating Again, I really never worry about them when they leave, other than the fact that I'm sad that they're not going to be back here. Um, uh, you know, again, they've had so much exposure to things. Um, traditional settings, it's, it's that linear academics. Everyone's going to learn A. I think really what might happen is they're bored because they've already learned it. They've already done it. They've already, already know how to do this. Can I do something else? Um, those kinds of things. Um, but I really never worry about They're always good kids. They're, you know, on target with academics. Uh, we really set them up for that for our program, so we make sure they hit our internal benchmarks of where we like our kids to go. So, yeah, I'm just sad. <laughs> it's not first grade, but we do have our high school alumni night tonight. If you're not parent edited out, um, if you want to hear from some graduates, they're just come to eat pizza and hang out. Oh, just kidding! Sorry, I have one of those. Kids I lied. Coming, but you oh, can come social and have pizza night. And hang out. There is an alumni night. There's sometime. an alumni night in November. Yeah, the panel is great. Um, and, Sorry. You know, and I think, granted, my kids went through eighth grade here, uh, but when they leave, I, I think it's the same thing. They've had so much exposure to academics and the world around them and being good humans that they go off and they advocate for themselves. I think even at the younger age, when everyone's learning the letter A and they're already reading, they're like, I've already done this. Is there something else I can do? Um, Did you see that? Um, my kids advocated for themselves. Yeah, I mean, one, one of my daughters was put in a class and she's like, I don't think I can do this one. And went and talked to the teacher. I was like, all ready to call and start being a parent. And I was like, she's like, Mom, I got it. And I'm like, of course you do. <laughs> my bad. That's um, something we hear from graduates. They're good self-advocates. They understand how to talk to their teachers, how to get help, mm -hmm. how to yeah. adapt to a system, that those are skills yeah. that they feel like they yeah. come in with. Yeah. But I, I, do, I do think the one big thing is that they, when they go off from being able to be in a classroom environment or a school environment where they're free to explore as, as they need and as their desires are and their academics are pushing them to a place that doesn't let them do that, that's the hard part. You know? Then you will have to do more at homework and you will have to you know, bring things in for them to do to keep them entertained and, and moving forward. So yeah, that's my pitch. <laughs> Anyone Did you else? already give Aaron's line about the program? No? Oh. <laughs> this is my favorite line from Erin Hardin. She says, the first two years of primary are like getting ready for the prom, but the third year is like going to uh, the prom. <laughs> it is a parte. <laughs> well, as you think of things, please feel free to reach out to me and email or talk to your teacher if you have any other questions or I'll throw Tori out there too. Sure. Uh, talk to her. But um, appreciate you all taking the time this morning. and. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Montessori School of Denver Community Podcast Series. For more information about the Montessori School of Denver and a Montessori education, visit us at www.montessoridenver.org.